Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more. No mai, hari mai, ki ora, tanakwe, free of him, 89.0, independent community media, Bruce Scott, uh, Mel Driscoll, and our guests on Cosmopolitan News and Views. Well, today, a lot happened in New Zealand, so I've decided to bring back my column comment, The Opinion is Mine. I used to do it on the old form of Cosmopolitan News and Views. So let's get started. As I said, column comment, The Opinion is Mine. Well, this week... We woke up to hear about Nelson, a Nelson College who had a couple of cases of schoolyard fights. And then we were told to look for the video online and I watched the video and I just saw the vicious beatings of two students. Two innocent students beaten up by their fellow peers, etc, etc. And the school trying to do damage control. To me, these kids who did the beating should be arrested. This, I've got no problem with that. They committed a crime, and today FM host Duncan Garner was very livid about what happened on those occasions. Is it happening in your school, bullying, and does your child come home sometimes with torn clothes and marks on the face and on the body being beaten up? because they were there at the time. And seriously, it's been filmed on social media, and I've seen the videos this week. So what else is happening in the city? People trying to play a drinking game on Victoria Street. (laughs) Got caught by the cops last night. Seriously, folks, you don't drink on the street when the cops walk past you. You are surrounded. So I don't know what happened to those kids last night. I woke up on Tuesday morning and I thought when I heard this, what the hell is going on? Because I woke up to hear the voice of the self-appointed Bishop Brian Tamaki. His latest machinations was that Gabriella, the cyclone which has devastated New Zealand, was caused by, guess what, porn and gay porn being shown in Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. I thought, what the hell are you talking about, Bishop Tamaki? You're very wrong. It caused a few laughs and giggles around the country, and I, I heard talk back I say, what the hell is going on with this guy? This is the same guy who said the earthquakes were caused by gay people. Remember during COVID lockdown and the events in Wellington, etc., etc., Tamaki was remanded in custody by the judge with a warning. You are on thin ice. So a very special dedication, radio dedication to Bishop Tamaki and other self-appointed bishops, etc. within the church. This is for you. Nope. That's coming up in a second. Let's try this one. Remember when you ran away and I got on my knees and begged you not to leave because I go berserk? The thing is that Tamaki was doing research on this thing he said. 
was he watching porn on his devices? And why weren't the police round at his house arresting him and his taking away his devices? Farm, where life is beautiful all the time. Anyway, that's a special dedication going out to Bishop Tamaki and all other self-appointed deities. This is number one this day in 1981, Dean Waratini, The Bridge. It's March 5, 2023, day 64, 301 to go. 1946 this day, 77 years ago, the Eastern Bloc compared by former British Prime Minister Winston Churchill as an Iron Curtain, Russia, Poland, East Germany in that bloc. Churchill was on a speaking tour of the USA, speaking to Westminster College, Missouri. Churchill had earlier stated his worries in a telegram to American President Harry S. Truman. And from 1946, here's Spike Jones and the City Slickers.
Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media could only be Spike Jones and the City Slickers, their version of Glowworm. Well, on the famous birthdays today, we remember 1927, 96 years ago, Broadway film and television actor Jack Cassidy was born in New York. Tony Awards and Grammys. Married Shirley Jones, 1956, they divorced in 1975. Father of actor-singer, the late David Cassidy, stepfather to Sean and Patrick. David Cassidy recalled that of his father's affair with Cole Porter and of his father being bisexual. And sadly, Jack Cassidy died in a house fire in the year 1976. They call us babes in arms, but we are babes in armor. They laugh at babes in arms, but we'll be laughing far more on city streets and farms. They'll hear a rising war cry Youth will arrive, let them know you're alive Make it your cry They call us babes in arms arms. They think they must direct us us. But if we're babes in arms arms. We'll make them all respect us Why have we got our arms? What have we got our sight for? Day is done, we've a place in the sun, we must fight for no bacon arms to
89.0, the great Petula Clark and her version, the English lyrics to Seaman by Lolita, that is, of course, Sailor. Well, Census Day is Tuesday, March 7. Everybody staying overnight in Aotearoa, New Zealand on Census Day must complete the census. If you've uh, not got your census packed by the start of March, well, call the public helpline on 0800 Census. That's 0800 236 Seven, six, seven. I've done my best in filling in that the census form. So many forms, so many questions. Yeah. You, do you filled your census papers in, Mel? We're in the process. <laughs> it's a tough process this year. Our first guest, Mel. Bob and Rana Hay hark from far off where their forebears settled five generations ago. It was to a still much mysterious continent they came. Africa, settling in the south. What was the attraction there, Bob? Uh, the beaches and the weather was very pleasant in the Cape compared to Johannesburg. It was a... In the post-war Republic of South Africa, apartheid was rife. This system of society deeply ingrained. So much so, it must have been perplexing to a young lad growing up Knowing no different to imagine it ever changing. I think you could say that, but I, my family had a, a fairly long history of being very against the national policies. So it was very easy for me to see through them and see that there were other times previously. Discontent. 
<laughs> there was a lot of discontent, yes. I think when, when I was still at school, we heard of the assassination of Heinrich Wurwood in Parliament. That's when I first became connected with South Africa. <laughs> oh, right. um, yeah. the, the next door neighbour domestic worker gardener and I celebrated that. Together. Together. <laughs> because someone had tried to kill him before, but was unsuccessful. But this time it was a parliamentary worker that uh, took him out. That's correct. It could have been a bloodbath in the Republic. What prevented it escalating to um, an unimaginable end? That is a very good question and very difficult to answer because there was a lot of bad feeling between the various parts of the society. Um, I won't actually put them down as anything but, let's say, the groups opposed to each other. And there were even black groups opposed to other black groups, and aside from the white groups opposed to each other too. Believing as you and some of your family before you did, it must have been somewhat an intimidating experience to be called up for the army. Yes, I was lucky, unlucky, because at that age I was actually very keen to become cannon fodder, but I was very short-sighted and they didn't want me. So, so you had to go and find something else to do. So, what did a man who'd been, what they didn't want in the army because you were short-sighted? Did you have glasses at that time too? Or? Yes, I did. Yeah, but uh, you, you say you lived in the Cape. Was that above sea level, or below sea level? <laughs> I uh, actually, at that stage, was living in Johannesburg. Mm -hmm which is at 6,000 feet. Shortly we're going to play a song by the Howard Morrison Quartet, which looks back at the history of South African rugby with the All Blacks. So uh, I think you know the song. I'm going to play that later because it was a parody. Um, but, of course, above sea level, when we watched those All Blacks test, the, the All Blacks came home very, very exhausted because some of the games were played above sea level. and It, it really wrecked their health for it, um, time and time again. It was the Johannesburg uh, Games which was such a, it's very high, and it is definitely not good for playing rugby. We imagine Africa as being hot and humid, and uh, it's not so when you get on a plateau like Wittwurtestrand. Uh, it's certainly not humid at all. The humidity is down in the 20s. Mm -hmm. Here it's in about the 80s. Yeah. The weather predictable? Uh, pretty predictable. And you played rugby? No, I did not play rugby. I played chess. Interesting. Which was a quiet game. As you, as you grew up, you knew that Nelson Mandela was still in prison? I did, yes. And he became one of your heroes? Um, I do think that uh, Nelson Mandela is, was a very good influence on South Africa. Uh, at the time when Sydney was locked up, we had been told a lot of things about him that the fact that he tried to blow things up. Mm -hmm. So that was very... You didn't tend to think you wanted to have a criminal 
running the country. But uh, uh, later on, I got less confused when I realised that Favut was also a criminal. Mm-hmm. He'd also tried to blow up post offices. Yeah, and of course, then we had the sad and murderous case of Steve Biko. Yeah, and all that happened, uh, you know, as I was a young adult. A formative South African mm. having the ability to play chess as opposed to rugby. It must have been difficult to find the schoolboys, so <laughs> you were attending a school <coughs> with a reputation stretching back to Britain, or how did you fit in? Well, my primary school was mainly Jewish, so the, I don't know about the British influence, but I've got a lot of Yiddish influence. <laughs> and the way I swear is often in Yiddish. <laughs> South Africa really is that melting pot that other countries have since become, including Aotearoa, New Zealand. Hmm. Oh, yes. When was your first interest, Bob, in this end of the woods? Uh, I had a New Zealand friend who he was 12 and I was 13 when we met. And at, a, at when I was, I was 19 and he was 18, we moved into a house together not uh, very far from where my grandmother had, had a hotel in St. James in the Cape. Mm-hmm. And so then I heard much more about New Zealand. And in 1974, he left for New Zealand and to me, it sounded like such a good place to go. Influential friends. I, I had more than one New Zealand friend. Yeah. And so young then, coming under each other's influence, it doubtless worked both ways. Yeah. There's another friendship that stems from those earlier days, which has continued through life. Yeah, yes, definitely. 47 years we've been married now. Oh, uh-huh. she's here. And this week we were married 47 years. Oh, con- 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 <laughs> con- congratulations. And um, you talk about 1974, but were you still in South Africa in 1976 when the All Blacks got caught up in the riots and Ian Kirkpatrick was gassed along with other <laughs> of his team? Uh, yes, but I wasn't following it that closely at that point. <laughs> Just say that. But let's, let's take, let's listen to your person who's been your friend and now... Why, for 47 years. Congratulations on your anniversary. Mm, yeah. Mm. It's a milestone, isn't it, every year? Yeah, it was interesting to say you spoke about Bika. Well, um, my best friend uh, was his child's caregiver in a nursery at the University of Cape Town. And I got to meet Mampela Rampelo, who was the mother of his child. An amazing lady. Yeah. Absolutely an amazing lady. Did you ever see that David... Ne- sorry, yeah, not the David. Sorry, his brother made that movie on Steve Biko. Did you ever see that movie? Uh, see cry, um, cry beloved, not Cry Beloved. Uh, no, yeah, no. Um, Sir Richard Attenborough yeah. made, made a movie on mm. Biko's life. It, mm. it was grueling watching it, what That's those right. people did yeah. to that man. No, that, that, the, the, I joined the Black Sash eventually. And um, so I got to hear a lot of things that nobody else got to hear. They were an amazing group of people. How did you come to be close to them? Um, uh, just by meeting the right people and knowing mm. the right people in Cape Town. You know, yeah, you know. that, that movie was Cry Freedom. Mm, mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so you, you're an activist in, in South Africa. Were you being watched by the authorities? 
We weren't open activists. We just tried to influence the people around us. My husband would have done a lot more activism when he was at university, but I didn't. Um, I got into heated arguments at work with people at the most. So, no, we weren't being watched. Um, we were very low-key, you know. But Ran is hinting that maybe you were. Mm. <laughs> uh, just in the years that uh, the 1969, when you were in uh, South Africa, is when I was at university and we were protesting quite a lot. So we would, our photographs were taken and things like that. So it, they never seemed to have followed up on it. I was never arrested. Helen Sussman led a charmed life, given that it was anathema to the Europeans to hear her talk as she does. Mm. Did. She was courageous. The Progressive Party, as mm. we recall. That's correct. It, it's interesting that you talk about apartheid now because the All Blacks got caught up in 1949. Maori weren't allowed into South Africa. 1960, same policy. 1970, All Blacks had Sid going and other Maori in their team. They were finally let to go into South Africa and, of course, they were called honorary whites. This included Brian Williams, who was Samoan. So he was called an honorary, an honorary white to get into South Africa. And of course, in 1970, it's alleged that the South African referee cheated the All Blacks in, in those tests. And it, uh, you, you watch the video these days, they did, they did cheat the South African referees. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, then when were plans made to come and live in Aotearoa, New Zealand? Well, as I say, it started in 1974 when I actually got my first application. And then in 1984, my wife and I had things well in hand to come to New Zealand. Uh, uh, but we then adopted a child. And my wife is, in fact, about to pick up the phone to get to the, the, the tickets. Uh, and the phone rang and it was that we had adopted a child. So then we weren't allowed to leave the country for three years. So we basically settled as we had other kids in South Africa. And when we tried to get in in 2002, it was not one page. It was books and quite a lot of money. Yeah. Fate. Do you believe in fate? <laughs> um, I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, now, and now you and your family are Kiwis and proud to be Kiwis. We are all signed up, sworn in, queen-loving, or now king-loving <laughs> citizens. <laughs> okay, let's take a music break, because we're going to play that song by the Howard Morrison Quartet. You've heard it all before It's all about me old man and the game that he adored as he kicked the ball as he scores a try you'll always hear me cry oh my old man's an 
go black. He wears a silver fern. His face just couldn't take him, so he's out now for a term. He'd make them all look silly as he tackled ball and all. And all the girls went crazy as his hoary. And of course, the song tells about Danny Craven, who we know was. Uh, the big boss of South African rugby for so many years and how racist he was because, um, <laughs> well, it's proven. But you came to New Zealand with your family and you became part of the furniture, as they say, here in New Zealand and you've loved it ever since. Have you been back to South Africa since? I was back in South Africa in 2017 and I was very pleased to see that there was now a growing black middle class which means that money was moving down to everybody. Um, I don't think it's perfect. Um, there's certainly still a lot of corruption yes. in the government, and I would certainly want to see less of that. I'm very pro-South Africa from the point of view of I'd like to see them get ahead. I hope I have hopes for the future for them. It's It's... A really great place to visit as a tourist mm -hmm. and they really appreciate you as a tourist they treat you really fantastically yeah. and you eat like kings and queens yes yeah no uh, i think that's what uh, made the late don clark the all black move to south africa and uh, he lived there for many many years and um mm -hmm. only regularly came back i saw him at, before he died at uh, the old rugby park with the late Sir Colin Mead. So, yeah, Don Clark, he, he loved South Africa. Yeah. Um, interestingly, there are a fair number of South African families who've lost their children who came to New Zealand and Australia back to South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, they see it as more of a land of opportunity. It's very capitalist in some of the worst ways. But it does mean that you can do a lot of things and you can start businesses easily and work across all sorts of places. Yeah. It, it's kind of interesting because I have family connections to South Africa. Um, I think a great uncle, one of my great uncles was born in South Africa. I think he was born in Cape Town, if I, if I do read it right. And uh, I've had other family connections with South Africa too. So things hopefully have changed but Africa is a powder keg. You never know when the next Zimbabwe and, uh, and other countries surrounding your land of birth, anything could happen. The countries around South Africa are extremely weak compared to South Africa in terms of the money. Mm -hmm. the, the money in South Africa is there's large amounts of money in South Africa. Mm. Yeah, we, we remember a guy called Cecil Rhodes, Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, and um, yeah, the, the claims over him and diamonds. Mm. They were part of, they were part of your history too, diamonds. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, his cottage was just down the road from where we lived in, in Cape Town. When you went back to those familiar places, having re-established your family life here in New Zealand, Aotearoa, what was it that came as a surprising, familiar and welcome attraction? Would it have been the jacaranda, they are flowering their purple about this time in Pretoria? The cheap fish. <laughs> cheap fish. <laughs> 
Really? Fish are very cheap there to eat out of the sea. Beautiful fish. Well, with a love of um, fish such as that, you doubtless have a batch by the coast at Raglan or somewhere. <laughs> no such thing. Yeah. Uh, it was really for family reasons that you returned? Uh, money. Yes. <laughs> Much better than family. <laughs> I joke. <laughs> you, you had me fooled. Then. <laughs> I know that there are many strings to your bow. Now, for instance, what's your excuse for becoming an actor? An actor? Money. <laughs> in this case. The, um, the film industry in Cape Town is a hugely developed... Uh, industry, the amount of money that flows through there is absolutely astounding. And the work is there for anybody, any color, any shape, any sex. You just turn up and they will find somewhere where they need you as furniture. And yet when it comes to projecting the cinema in South Africa of those days in the 1960s, very strict restrictions, especially of the censors kind, and uh, also, of course, the absence of television. Yeah, yeah. All of this stuff was mainly, or should I say, 99% of it was for overseas advertisements and local advertisements eventually. Using the scenery, the dramatic landscape, the Drakensberg. And the cheapness. Cheap people. And the cheap South um, Cape Town has a most marvelous system for uh, film industry. You only approach one person and give him the check, and any road in Cape Town is yours for the asking. Is it so? Well, it, it must it must have been good because it brought the late American country singer Jim Reeves to South Africa. He filmed a movie there, so I don't, I don't know if you've seen it. But it brought Jim Reeves to South Africa. Yeah, a lot of movies were filmed there because of the cheapness, aside from the fact that there were movies about the history like Zulu and things. Yeah, I remember, didn't uh, Sean Connery make a movie called Zulu and um, was Michael Caine? And yeah, that's correct. Yeah. 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 Um, it was, um, the, the scenery is quite spectacular mm. and it was cheap. And of course, you say you were an actor, so give us some of your roles. Or are you were just, just sitting there as an extra. I was James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I was a private detective looking for Singaporean students who'd gone missing in South Africa. Oh, my word. Can we still see it on YouTube? No, it disappeared. <laughs> I cannot get a copy even. It was for Singapore Airlines. Yeah. And uh, most of the stuff I did was just for addresses. It was very, very well paid. Mm. I have a sort of a slight story yeah. in that I started work at a particular site. I left for there at half past five in the morning. We started filming at half past seven because of the light. And by half past eight, I was finished. What I did is I had my a pair of jeans on and I was basically bending over so they saw mainly my jeans <laughs> while I moved cement in a, a, a with a shovel in a wheelbarrow while other two people, I'm not sure, 
probably South Africans, discussed a plan. And this was for a Holland TV ad. And for that, I was paid a month's work for one hour. A month's work for one hour. Mm. That certainly would prove very attractive. To film my butt. (laughs) How did you you land that part? Uh, It was just through my agent. Yes. Mm. And did you uh, take up that interest and um, that um, ability here? Uh, No. No, I, I was relatively keen. But when I was doing this, I actually had four jobs. A man who was extended and played chess, remember that? <laughs> yeah, I, I was working for an alarm company. Uh, I was doing the film industry stuff. I was working for my ex-boss who was in um, the uh, in, in electronics industry and I was running a small shop. Uh, an interesting life. How did Rana fit into this? Uh, well, perhaps you'd like to tell us. small shop. <laughs> Rana, you, you must have been destined to come as a couple mm. uh, from the very start. Yeah, yeah. It, um, in fact, it was a, a school teacher that introduced me to him and decided that she knew this very nice young man who would look mm-hmm. after me when yeah. I was 17. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you were impressed with the chess aspect, I see. Uh, no, the mountain climbing. Actually, we, we both liked mountains. Oh. And that's what I was impressed with. So you've been in mountains of Southern Africa? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, we were by the sea, but we were up seventy-nine stairs when we lived there for twenty-six years. So we were very, very far from being washed out by waves and things like that. Mm. And of course, the railway line, which. I have to credit to Cecil John Rhodes, unfortunately, as much as I don't like his history. Good at railways. He it was good at railways, yes, he was, you know. Yeah. You enjoyed railways. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> What's the fascination? Steam? Oh, it's, it just gets you places. It's so economical, it's so sensible, and you could just relax, and somebody else does the hard job, and you're not waiting every few seconds for somebody to smash into you and knock you off your, out of your car. You're just having... It's just such a sensible way to travel, and you know, it's so relaxing. You can read, you can study. I did all my studying on the train. I did a lot of knitting for the business that we ran. It was lovely, you know, and I really wish we had that year in New Zealand. It, would be it so sounds nice. such a comfortable combination. Very comfortable. Knitting combination. and uh, study. And, Go to and sleep. I, I, my, I automatically knew when to wake up. I don't know what it was. It was the second <laughs> sense. I knew when to wake up to get off my... Have you made use of the New Zealand train system? Well, this is how we met. We, went, we, we frequently go visit our daughter in Auckland, take our bikes with us, and we get on the Tui, and as of a retirement age, our trip is free. For others, yep. it's inexpensive. I well, take family. It's very inexpensive. Well, both Mel and I can yes, make use yes. of that service because we're, we're now classified as senior citizens while well, I... Uh, I I hate that label, and both you both probably have that label too. That's right, you said, and um, but uh, and we went off to Auckland, and this, the the biking system in Auckland is so great. You know, going to Auckland, uh, Auckland is a. T- I come from Cape Town, where the population's five million. I found the tra- bus, the car travel there much easier than here. The roads are terrible in Auckland, and so for a person who doesn't know it, it's very disorientating and very scary. You get onto your bike, and it's marvellous. As you know, it's really you just don't feel threatened at all. Have you, know? you have you made use of the Hamil- Hamilton cycle lanes? Yes, I, um, I only ever travel around by by bike myself. Do um, you see 
others who use the same facility? Well, I haven't owned a car since 2010. In the beginning, I was the only person on any of the roads. There were no safe bike tracks then. And now we get traffic jams just about on Cobbin Drive with people going to work on their bikes. It's quite amazing. And we, we all pass the cars. And there's heaps of us, which is lovely. That Warrera Drive is fantastic. Hamilton City, it's a nice little city because I came into town from where I live and they're playing cricket at Boys High and um, mm. on, a, on a Sunday. There's other lots of other things going mm. on and mm. in the city and cafes are open. So yes. Hamilton's a great little city. It suits you? Yes, um, absolutely, yes. It's um, and, and funny enough, the best part of when we want to go back to the nostalgia of the sea, we actually go to Auckland by the Tui because I prefer the sea there, you know. I think it's a much pleasanter seaside there. And then in Hamilton itself, is, it's, it's got everything I need. It's got lots of groups of people where you can join organic gardening, you can do a lot of volunteer work, and it's, the community houses are very active. What, what's, what's your favourite Auckland Beach? I've forgotten the name. <laughs> what was the one that Karina takes us to? I've forgotten. Uh, it's not, not the one on the North Shore, is it? We, we, went, to, we went to Devonport yesterday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Devonport, yes. And there's a beach just near the... Yes. That was very pleasant. Mm-hmm. One of the more pleasant. I, I would say that that's, so far that's one I would rate, rate yeah. highest. But yeah, that, that area is very historic with, of course, having worked there as a labourer at the Devonport Naval Base and you see North Head and all the history of that and, and the tunnels and they say planes are buried there but um, <laughs> then you see the... Then you see the gun emplacements as you travel around that area mm. too and also going out the east of Auckland, you see the gun emplacements put there because of the fear of Japanese bombing New Zealand. So um, quite, Auckland's quite an historic city, as, as Hamilton is. Mm, mm, mm. And it used to be interesting to see the, there's a massive buildings by the Key Road that reminds us of Cape Town. It was the same generation of those how they were built in those days it is it you just sort of feel part of the world then you know those comparisons that are familiar Mm. are comforting Mm. but others can be quite um challenging Mm -hmm. do you find for instance that there is much difference in the lifestyle of take a city you know johannesburg south africa and cape town where you Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of similarities. When I first came to New Zealand, um, I moved into Hastings and I'm automatically mingled with the farmers there and the sense of humour between the farmers, the very basic down-to-earth language they use, was the same in South Africa except a different language. Just the same sense of humour, very natural attitude to life. Um, I, I, was, I kept comparing how similar it was, in fact. You know. Are South Africans attracted to the cycling as much as you are? Nowadays, I hear, in the past, I stopped cycling when I was 15 in South Africa because the roads were just too dangerous. You know, they, you don't have the standard of driving there that you do here. There are very poor people with unkept cars, and it was really dangerous. Um, but I hear now, when I look online, they are now also introducing a lot more tracks in South Africa. But I haven't been there for 20 years, so I wouldn't know, you know. But, uh, well, I keep saying to people the reason why I think I'm not a retiree. I, mean, I keep in my brain, when I get on my bike, I, I honestly think I'm 15 years old because that's when I last cycled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your children, they thoroughly enjoy being part of the furniture in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Yes, 
they, they're completely part of it. Um, so are the grandchildren. Um, they, they don't think in any other way other than being in New Zealanders. Well, you, you guys have kept your South African accents, which, which, are, which are great. It's, it, it, you're, you're keeping your history alive, but um, you've become part of this country. Yes, well, well, I learned to speak English from my mother, who was Afrikaans. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm actually English speaking, people often mistake me for being Afrikaans. So I have that heavy accent because I picked up. My father was English, and his father started a ship repair business in the 1800s. My father was born in 1899, and so he'd come from his. My grandfather, who I never met, had come from India, and I still have remnants from stuff he'd brought from India, and I brought that here to New Zealand, and so I sort of. Tell us more of your mother's life. We know very little. They came from the Depression Afrikaners who lost their jobs after the war. Um, And they used to be farm labourers and the farm's life changed. She knew nothing. My cousins have been trying to find out about that Afrikaans Dutch heritage and they haven't been able to find a trace at all because they were semi-literate people. They weren't well educated. My mother stopped going to school at the age of 12 and became a housekeeper shortly after that. Mm -hmm. So... But my father came from a much more educated, university-educated background. She lived a long life. My father passed away at at 87. My mother passed away at 81. And she was a heavy smoker. That that surprised us. If if, if you read your ancient South African history, Winston Churchill actually got captured by the Boers. That's right, yes. And he escaped Mm. from them and he made made a meal of it and Mm. he wrote it in his books. And uh, Mm. I wonder if the South Africans still talk about how Winston Churchill escaped the Boers in South Africa. We don't even think about it most of the time. But what I did do is I kept a little diary that my father had when he was, say, 18, during the first, with 1905, the Anglo-Boer War, he would have been a teenager, and I kept a diary that I never read of his. And when I came to New Zealand, I opened it for the first time. And worm betide, he wrote about the New Zealand soldiers coming to Cork Bay. And now he took them to Cork Bay operas. And one of the things is he's complaining that his cousin Ruby always says she doesn't have time to write to her family. But he said, I noticed she had a lot of time for the New Zealand soldiers. <laughs> uh. <laughs> about that but it was in his diary tell us yesterday a typical day it seems in the life of um, the Hayes when you visit in Auckland yes so you're based in Hamilton Mm. and you join the train Mm. Tehuia Mm -hmm. a service which had been attempted before Mm. and failed Mm. and really struggled Mm. to gather the patronage which Mm. is partly based on the fact that the cards that give access for people with a beneficiary background or superannuation, such passengers are favoured with a free Mm. passage. Mm, mm. That accounts, I'm sure, for not yourselves alone Mm. taking advantage of that. So what does it mean? Getting up early? Because you are going on bikes. Yes, so you do get up early to go there. Um, sometimes we will cycle to the lane, but in winter we prefer in the dark just to go put the bikes in the car and park the car there and then go on the train. Um, it, it's, that earliness doesn't really matter. I'm awake at five anyway. I'm used to that. 
Um, yeah, so, so am I. Wait, yeah. I've been waking up on a foggy morning sometimes. So, geez, so, yeah. so, uh, so the seasons are changing. We're in autumn, mm, mm. and you're going you're going to get a foggy winter coming. Hopefully not. Mm. And um, getting up early in the morning, it, it's great, and you can you can plan your day properly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't understand why more people don't use the train. I think because. Ooh, ooh. New Zealanders have possibly become too addicted to their cars and they're so used to being able to get from one place fast, even though you're not really gaining anything by getting there faster. Because once you get into Auckland, you're spending hours in the traffic trying to get from one point to the next. Yep. Oh, hours and hours and hours. Do you think it has anything to do with city dwellers? It wouldn't apply in the rural centres. Well, the rural people would need a car, a van to get places. That I do understand, you know. So having... Um Set up the night before. Everything's packed. Yes, that's right, yeah. Uh, do you carry a heavy pack when you go? Everything's done by carrying, using what I have on my bike anyway, a carrier in front and a carrier at the back because that's how I travel during the week anyway. Yeah, and, and hopefully your cell phone is charged. Cell phone, you can charge your phone on the train. Yeah, you can yeah. do it on the uh, main I, Hamilton buses. Yeah, you can, yeah. you can, and you have free Wi-Fi on the train. Yeah. So off you go. How, how, how long does it take to get from here to... Auckland on Tahuya. Two, two and a half two hours. Two and a half hours, yeah. Mm, mm. And you have the uh, satisfying feeling, perhaps, mm. where the road runs parallel with the railway, of looking at queues of traffic and trucks. Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah. get a green light but can't proceed because exactly. it's all chock-a-block. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And the train whistles through. Mm, mm, mm. I wonder if you guys have met my friend and Mel's and many others, young J.D., you met him? Young boy, young train spotter who's regularly on Free FM. He knows everything about a train. He's nine years old. Amazing. Ten now. Well, I'm sorry, he's ten. Okay. He was here last I week. Up on and him. what a young, brilliant guy. I think he, he loves trains mm. and he goes to Glenbrook and his, and his mother and he films everything. I hope in the future you'll meet uh, JD down mm. at the Hamilton Railway Station. Mm. Mm. Yeah. The huge advantage with the 2E is that you land in the centre of a city that has completely changed its mind about how the centre is going to look so that you get a lot of places without needing to actually interact with cars at all while mm-hmm. you're on bikes. Yeah, another thing as you went to Auckland, was there any sight of any damage from... Um Cyclone Gabrielle as you went and through into the city? Um, on the left-hand side as you're coming towards the Strand Station, I could see a couple of collapsed areas of, of cliff uh, on the, uh, one of the lagoons there. Very disconcerting if you live <laughs> near the edge. In, in fact, yeah. I think it would keep many awake at night, the thought. It is a little surprising that they tend to feel that those cliffs are stable. Um, in fact, I, as I went along looking at the ones that were falling down, I thought there were a whole bunch more that were likely to fall down. Hmm. So I'm not quite sure how they decided it was a great idea to... to they just sand cliffs. They are not rock or anything like that. We look for stability. <laughs> it's a human propensity, except when we're teenagers. <laughs> so you were making the point, Bob, that it gives the exclusive route that's open to a cyclist that isn't available to the car. Absolutely. And this applies in Auckland? Yes. 
Have you sampled those opportunities with the uh, trails of Hamilton? I, I have done some Hamilton cycling, but because I don't generally use my bicycle for work, um, I did tell you that I'm terrified of cycling because I'm when I fall, I don't bounce. <laughs> um, and so... Auckland is a pleasant surprise to find yourself just a bicycle in what looks like a road. And the what we managed to do yesterday was quite fantastic because we arrived, we cycled down to a cycling hub, then which was right by the ferry. Uh, we joined a, a, a long queue for Waiheke, but uh, that didn't work out, so we decided to go to Devonport. So we went to Devonport with our bikes, took our bikes all the way to Devonport, cycled around in Devonport, had lunch, we were to swim, and came back via the ferry and then onto the train and, by a bike. And, 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 and home again. So, yeah. you know, the Waikato's got some great trails. Um, there's trails out to... I've seen cyclists to go out to Lake Karapiro and all that and um, via mm. the road there. So, and... Um, so what's, your, what's the next plan for your, another cycle trip? Uh, our cycle trips will probably be to Auckland, uh, the reason being that our daughter's there, who is also a cyclist. So we've, we get to go a lot of places. I th- uh, Point Chevalier was one of the beaches we went to uh, by a bicycle in Auckland. You literally meet people. Does that happen at the cycling hub? as you called it? Uh, that is one place we would have met people. That, not, nothing, nobody was there yesterday. I'm not sure why. And it, it's so easy to make connections when you both have a common interest. The bicycle speaks for itself mm-hmm. rather than be in, enclosed in a shell of metal, plastic, mm-hmm. glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, over the years they've talked of putting a cycle lane on the Auckland Harbour Bridge, but uh, it costs a bit too much money, and um, this is politicians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they just wanted to have a lane at one time, particular time or something like that. I, I don't see it happening. It's all just become too political. But uh, one of the things about the Hamilton, some of the best cycling let's call it, I will call it a road, um, are cut off from each other. So the connections between them have yet to occur, whereas in Auckland they've managed to put the whole thing together. We just need to follow their... Yeah, which which suburb is this? Well, you were talking about that Carapira. Yep, yep. Um, Trying to get to that one is quite difficult. Yeah, I I know. I, I used to live near a road in Cambridge... Sorry, in Leamington, and that which led to Lake Karapiro. So, yeah, you've got to travel. You've got to travel through Leamington to find the road to get out to Karapiro. Yeah. So, the thing is that in Auckland, um, people use it as a way of life every day to get to work. Mm-hmm. It's still a, very restricting in Hamilton because the, of the lack of connections and the resistance. I find the people in Auckland are far more. The motorists are far more bike accommodating. They're not as aggressive towards cyclists in Auckland. They've people got used to them. People can be quite vociferous in opposing that. Yeah. Any restriction on their access to the roadway. That's so right. Yes, yeah. What's yeah. a cycle lane doing there with yes. me? Uh, the thing is, yeah, yeah. The thing is that what Hamilton City Council is doing is they've seen. 
if you look at the school holidays, there's no, hardly any cars on the road in the morning. It's easy to get from A to B. Yes. As soon as the school holiday, school starts again, they've assessed the fact that we actually need cycle lanes for the school children to reduce yeah. the parents driving them to school. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've, I've noticed that. And, and as a guy who used to mm. cycle to yeah. the bus stop three miles yeah. on foggy mm. winter mornings too, mm. and... But the thing is that we have a problem. We've got people who cycle on the footpaths, who share with the, with the pedestrians, and then, of course, whoosh, so you see these cyclists go whooshing past you mm. with no helmets on. Then you get the scooters coming past you at mm. the same time. We've got a... Sh- it, it's dangerous on our footpaths in the so city. So th- this is why you need dedicated cycle lanes, because these cycle yep. lanes and scooter lanes are absolutely needed. As I said, if you look at the congestion during school hours, yes. it's absolutely needed. While rear drive isn't a problem at all. Yep. Not at all, because it's designed for the understanding that the pedestrians don't expect to be sharing. They expect to be accommodating cyclists. Yep. You know. I, I, I know the problem, because I used to live on a street just yeah. not far from here, Hill Street by Girls High. Mm. In the afternoon, the parents used to turn up. They would park on the dri- in the driveways and on the footpaths mm. and... You couldn't get city council interested in coming to ticket people, so mm, mm. Uh, you just had to put up with it. That's right, yeah. And, and, and I've, I've spoken to the police before. They had all these extra dedicated lanes, and I said to them, you know, do you really find people who cycle on the footpaths? And they say, no, only if they cause a nuisance, because they recognise the fact the roads were too dangerous then. But, I mean, it is improving in Hamilton. They are making an effort. It yeah. could almost be considered a safety measure. That's right, yes. Uh, but one thing you haven't covered, Rana... Yes. You speak as though every day would have weather as yesterday when you were in Auckland. It is so refreshing going in the rain. You have no idea. Really? I am terrified of a car in the rain because people drove like maniacs. (laughs) They they seem to drive worse. And so I'm scared of having an accident. You know? I can't afford to repair a car constantly because people are zipping in front of you because you give enough a gap. On a bike, it is such a pleasure. I I have to recall this. I came into town yesterday afternoon, and the bus driver was South African. Mm. No, 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 sorry, he was Korean, South Korean. Yeah. He spent a lot of time on his horn on the bus, yes. trying to get these people who would park in front of him yes. and didn't move. Mm. This, this poor guy mm. got on the horn, and mm. he soon moved to some people along. Mm. So, yes, no, yeah. we have, some of these drivers haven't got patience. That's right. And I say it's almost like they're worse in the rainy weather. And, and, that, and this is, honestly, I'm not exaggerating. I do not go by car in the rain. Um, the only time I'm dubious is when there's a storm because you often don't see the obstacles like branches until it, it's a bit too late. That's the only time you worry. But the, the wet weather gear, I am no wetter on my bike than I am climbing out of my car to get to where I want to go. Yep. No wetter. But do you think that your example might encourage others to do the same? Well, there are a lot of other people who are setting good examples too. There's, there's a lot of Facebook sites where we all discuss and share ideas. Um, there's a bike ride we do once a month, the last Friday of every month. We go through the city centre and we're basically educating each other as to how to handle the traffic, how to take the lane, what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do. And we're also educating the motorists who are now getting used to all these extra cyclists. So right? this is our contribution yeah, yeah. to a better weather pattern. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's this um, Facebook site called uh, Cycle Action Hamilton. Yes, we, we, we know, them, we know yeah. them well. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they're in the planning when it comes to 
building roads. They they bring out all their big maps, and Mel knows this too. They bring out all the big maps, and they are in consultation with the Hamilton City Council. But you've got an old pedal bike, or are, are you thinking of moving up to an e-bike? Or? I've had an e-bike since 2010 because what happened was. I was cycling to work when I was teaching at the university, but all the buses went past me because it was full of school children in the afternoon. So I started cycling. But it makes you rather hot and sweaty. <laughs> and as you get older, the hills get higher, you know? Yeah, no, no. There so are then, the, then I got an e-bike. Yeah. There, there are some steep hills. You mm. haven't traversed when you go to Auckland Queen Street, the top end yes, of Queen Street. I do it Street. often, do it often. And you get up there all right? Well, because I've got the e-bike, it's not a problem. It flattens hills. What were you teaching at the university? Um, English to immigrants as a, you know, as a second language. It was a lovely experience. It was really good. I oh, look. I've, I've met some. I've met a lot of Somalians in the past week or so as taxi drivers. They're lovely guys. They're lovely people, aren't they? Uh, yes. So some some of them have some issues, but this guy. We have a chat on the way home when he mm. takes me home and. Uh, he he's he's just a lovely Kiwi guy, mm, mm. Somalian born, but he's yes. lovely and he loves his family. Yes, and, yeah, uh, the Somalis are lovely, lovely people. They really are. If you, we're also fooled by the way people dress, and we have this image of what people are. But when you get into their homes, they're warm and they're welcoming. It's they they are, and and all these things that women are undermined and all that. That's not not really what happens in the home. <laughs> hey, <laughs> as, we, as you proved <laughs> in South Africa, yes, race need not be a barrier no, enforced no. by soldiers, yes. laws. Mm. It's been a wonderful transition, yeah, yeah. even be it not perfect. Yes, yes, yes. Well, hopefully Hamilton will will prove to the end of your days that you made the right move. Uh, no, we really know that. <laughs> <laughs> What would you say that might induce us to take a ticket? It used to be often by ocean liner, but these days by air travel, to land in Johannesburg, to explore those precincts that you knew so well. Go as a tourist. Don't jump into a car and hope to drive in Johannesburg. You will get an education you never wanted. Uh, <laughs> have, you, have you plans to return to South Africa as tourists in the future? Uh, no, definitely no. not now. Have you links overseas with other countries through family? Uh, well, yes, our family is kind of spread around the world, but most of them are in South Africa living like lords. Um, but prosperous uh, life. But, uh, not not a problem from a point of view of uh, race. It's a pleasure meeting you this afternoon. We're going to leave you with a South African-born English singer called Danny Williams, who had a big hit in the 60s with, of course, from Breakfast at Tiffany's. I'm talking about the song, if I have the right album on... And hopefully we hear the song which is called Moon River. And this is, this is Danny Williams. You remember Danny Williams? You do? Here he is, the late Danny Williams. The music of Henry Mancini and his orchestra.
the late Danny Williams and Moon River, born in South Africa and spent most of his career in the United Kingdom. Afternoon, Dwayne. Yeah, good afternoon. Well, what's your what's your take? You we were talking about the Regent Theatre and TA last week. So, what else did you find out this week? Um, I haven't found out anything about it yet. Um, still working on it, but. Um, <coughs> Yesterday afternoon or whatever, there was a serious um, crash over in Hamilton East. Um, the motorbike guy did um, decease and died. Mm-hmm. Um, the other night, tipping up uh, by Pembroke Street. Yes. Um, Tristan Street, there was a, um, a motorbike went over a police car. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think um, I, I think some people who travel around the city are taking risks, and I just mentioned you earlier off air that I saw this guy on Cameron Road this morning coming into town. He had no helmet on. He was travelling up at full speed, and then he <coughs> then some car came past him and passed an object to him. So yeah, we've got some idiots driving around the streets of Hamilton. Yeah, and also there was a woman actually, play, uh, actually taking photos of it and lucky I didn't actually spot the cop but he was too busy and I would have just turned around and tell him all, hey, is this person part of the accident um, scene or she's just a passerby? Yeah, every, everything, uh, everything gets filmed these days for social media causes as I said about the school in Nelson earlier with the the two... The two fights, and as I said earlier, and this is my own opinion, these these people should be arrested, these students, and um, handled by the courts, and um, take it out, take the power out, out of the schools to deal with it. Uh, this is this is blatant uh, abuse and um, thuggery in some of our schools. Anyway, so what else you got to say for us? Um, yeah, so that's what actually happened. So also that. Um, Last week or week before, there was another um, dairy robbery. Um, another uh, one over in um, Rotatuna. Yes. Um, also, there was one at um, Flagstaff that Super Values has been done over four times. Anyway, thank you, Dwayne, because I've, I see Derek poking his face in the window, so we better let him in. Um, I would like to, as a person, I'd like to thank people who um, who got onto the Free FM website and um, gave us best wishes after what happened here with uh, with the break and thank you you guys I read um, your posts on the Facebook page thank you and for people I've been talking with when I've mentioned that Free FM got broken into last week um, as the broadcaster Mel and myself, Dwayne and others thank you for all the support that has been given to Free FM 89 Point zero. Familiar tunes, Steptoe and Son, Wilford Bramble, Harry H. Corbett, Father and Son, one of the great UK series, of course, 
Trevor remembers Tiptoe and Son. I do, yeah. Right. Very, very, very funny. Yeah, and, those um, tipped on my toes of humour. <laughs> hey, Trevor, how's it going this week? Oh, not too bad. I've got the forms for the census, like everyone else, <laughs> but what I thought, they couldn't have chosen a worse year for it. There's so many displaced homes around the country, in the Coromandel and up north and so on, that have no letterboxes, nobody living in them, half underwater. How are they going to deliver the uh, envelopes to those people? They could be in the caravan somewhere or staying with friends or in a community centre. They could be anywhere. They could have even gone overseas. <laughs> there's, there's so many questions you've got to ask, uh, multiple choice questions. <laughs> what about our privacy? Is, it, is, is there any way you can't avoid filling out the census? Well, no, what I find filling out the form is like as if they're repeating themselves in parts. I mean, it's uh, talking about trying to cross checkpoint Charlie the Berlin Wall mm. for information. <laughs> I mean, it goes on and on, but, you know, it's one of those things. Half the information doesn't apply to myself, yeah. of course. Um, did you hear me earlier talk about Brian Tamaki? His, when I woke up on Tuesday morning oh. <laughs> and, I, and I heard his latest rant telling us that Gay porn in Hawke's Bay and Gisborne was the cause of um, Cyclone Gabriel. And he said it was gay porn. He was just another having having another dig at the yeah, rainbow was gay community. For that, uh, earthquake in yeah. Christchurch. And, yeah. and this one is to do with. Uh, uh, what was this one to do with now? The latest one? Oh, um, Cyclone Gabriel. Yeah, what was he blaming that on? He was blaming it on people watching porn. Oh, that's right. And yeah, gay, yeah, gay course, porn. Yeah. He said, I have done research, so he must have gone online to watch porn. So why aren't the police there arresting him and seizing his account? Well, that's right. I know some porn's legal and some isn't, but, but uh, the fact is that uh, it's so ridiculous. I can't believe anybody with a fraction of a brain would believe all this carry-on. <laughs> I mean... Yep. Uh, it's so, so ridiculous. It, it is. And um, any other thing, Any got any other comments on what we've said this afternoon, Mel and myself? Oh, well, I had a, a friend of mine rang me up from Auckland, so I was listening one ear uh, to the radio, another ear on the phone, which made it a bit uh, yep. clouded over oh, in parts. Well, you'll, ha you'll have to get a computer so you can listen back to the um, to the podcast. Yeah, well, I picked up some parts that seem quite interesting. Yeah, we've had this South African couple in here, and what a lovely couple, and uh, yeah, we're going to leave you, of course, with My Old Man's and All Black by the Howard Morrison Quartet this afternoon. We'll play it in full this afternoon. Derek is here to do host... Um, Harmony Waikato, and of course it's been O Week, so we've seen some of the antics of the students chatting around in the buses, and uh, I hope O Week Derek went off like a bang, as it usually does. It it makes fun of the city at night time, and um, but um, hopefully everything is underway for next year. And um, and to the young students last night who were found playing a drinking game in the city and. You have a, about half a dozen cops turn up in your face, and <laughs> I wonder. Prohibition. Yep. <laughs> well, all he needs is water, like animals do. I thank you for coming in this afternoon, and we're going to have some afternoon tea and a cup of coffee and a big chat this afternoon, as I call it a chinwag. So we'll leave you with the Howard Morrison Quartet, and this is for our South African couple. We'll play the song in full. My old man's an all black. The late Howard Morrison and the Quartet. Yep. 
oh, we've got the wrong track on. So um, we just just keep uh, just keep talking, and we'll. Um, that was actually the guys. That was McPhail and Gadsby. So we don't want them. So we'll put the right CD in. The these things happen at the end of the of a long afternoon. Feels like a long afternoon. Here we go. See you next week. Now here's a story full of words. You've heard it all before. It's all about me, old man. And the game that he adored. As he kicked the ball. As he scores a try. You'll always hear me cry. Oh, my old man's an old black. He wears a silver fern. His mace just couldn't take him, so he's out now for a term. He'd make them all look silly. We'll get back to the Howard Morrison Quartet as we go out. Mel, you've um, got some information for us. Turning back the pages, we find on this day, 80 years ago in 1943, the RAF had a new navigation aid named OBO for more accurate bombing, which they used to begin a new phase of warfare in Europe during World War II. A few days after the most devastating raid till then on the Nazi capital Berlin, inflicting heavy damage on that city, the RAF began in earnest its battle to bomb German industry concentrated in the Ruhr Valley. Key to its success on the 5th of March 1943 is the accuracy of its oboe navigation pinpointing the German city Essen in the Ruhr. However, it would take two more long years of battle before American ground troops could secure the Ruhr Valley. On a happier note, the two-wheeled motorfest is happening at Hampton Downs Motorsport Park in North Waikato, attracting Kiwi motor racing leaders to the two-day event, including the New Zealand Classic Grand Prix and the classic racing bikes on display. A week today, on Sunday, March the 12th, it's Tearaha Day, a day in the Lebane. A free family day, the perfect way to spend a Sunday. There'll be musical activities, food and fun. 12th of March in Te Araha Domain, below the bush that climbs by track to the top of Mount Te Araha. And it's family day today. I see families going to the zoo this afternoon, Mel, so... Um... No better time. On the Hobbiton movie set at Matamata, the Middle-Earth Halfling Marathon is to be run across the landscape familiar from the film The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit Trilogies. That's on Wednesday, the 15th of March at Matamata. And by then, Balloons Over Waikato will be on a five-day event, including a mass morning ascension and the traditional night glow of Saturday night. And just before I do go, another thanks to you people giving support to Free FM after the break-in here. I've seen all your posts on, and I've spoken to a few people and I can't repeat some of what they said on air because it is very rude and few swear words. So thank you for the support to Free FM 89.0. And all the girls went crazy as this hoary took a score. Well, now the soccer union offered Dad a part in a team to go to Scotland to play against the Hearts. But to our dear old papa, it was just a silly joke To kick a ball around all day was-
was not for this old bloke. I say, I say there, Jerry, my boy, uh, I believe they gave your old man a trial. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. That's right, Howard. But they didn't tell me it was a dog trial. <laughs> girl came up to dad and said so quietly will you please play for us sir a goalie you will be what game is this my little girl why basketball of course and everybody heard him yell hey get me off these cops i say gary my boy uh, uh i suppose your old man's a little disappointed uh he's based left him behind is that right well actually howard he wasn't craving to go. Well, the old black team is leaving, and the best of luck to them. And if they find things tricky, they'll have to play like men, cause the Springboks will be watching from Translow to Cape Town. The team that ain't got hurries to score their last touchdown. <laughs> They won't take my old papa. So it's out now for a big papalula. Give him pork and puha. So it's out now for a free, free, five, five, bo, fo, fum. Hey, Howard. Hey, uh, what? There's no worries in that scrum. <laughs> so it's out now for a Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.